Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. And welcome into this week's episode of The Grid, the show that's officially off summer vacation because we have games to discuss. Episode 48, I'm Gabe Myers, alongside me per usual, Mike Foreman and Jeremiah Sosa. We have volleyball games this week. The Victoria Generals will wrap up with them, but guys, we're contractually obligated to start with football. We're going to do a football camp whip around here, and we're going to start over at Victoria East with Jeremiah. And speaking of contractual obligations, Jeremiah, I have to ask about the quarterback battle going on over there. What would you see day one of training camp from the Titans? Yeah, well, pretty much how it's been, you know, in the spring and summer, it's still a quarterback uh, battle. Uh, Charlie Reef hasn't decided who's going to be the starting quarterback for this season uh, between Landon Partita, uh, a senior, and then Cason Coley, who's uh, going to be a sophomore. Um, But both of them look good. Uh, They were both running with the first team. Uh, Both got some snaps, uh, you know, with that team and, you know, did what they had to do uh, like they've been doing, you know, these past few months. Um, But, you know, just looking at the team, being there for a few hours, watching them, uh, I think it's it, it's obviously a young team. Uh, doesn't have a lot of experience at the quarterback position. Obviously, with uh, either the new guy um, at the running back position, they got uh, Jaden Williams, who he wasn't starting last year, but he kind of played a role uh, after Jacarian Giles got hurt. Uh, he, he was able to get some starts then and you know make his impact on the game there. So I think it, uh, you know, like Coach Ru was saying, you know, these past few months, it's just going to be uh, you know learning these these few months or at least few weeks leading up to the season, just trying to get better for that first game against uh, San Antonio Taft. Is there a, is there a timeline when co- for Coach Reeve making a quarterback decision, or is this something that can carry on into the start of the season? Well, he told me he's really going to evaluate uh, both quarterbacks, you know, these next few weeks and uh, into the uh, scrimmage against Bay City next Thursday. So I feel like that's going to be a big, uh, you know, point selling point for, for Coach Reeve is that, that scrimmage against Bay City to see how – both guys look going up against uh, different defense from what they used to seeing in practice. One thing I'm curious about, what is the biggest difference you noticed just being out there from this season looking back at last season? Yeah, well, I think, uh, I think just the, the energy is a little bit different. You know, you got guys, uh, you know, super hyped to, to be out there for practice. Coach Reeve, he has a drone, uh, which is pretty cool just to, you know, shoot practice and, you know, give guys a different angle. Um, you know, at, at practice and see how they look. So I think it's just little stuff like that where, uh, you know, it's it's making the kids excited. And, you know, obviously a, a bunch of new coaches that Reeve brought in with him. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, it's just a little bit of a difference, but I think it's good for the kids to, you know, get get that difference heading into the season. How, how are they adapting to, like, a change in scheme and change in philosophy? Because that can be, you know – for teenagers, that can be really tough when there's wholesale changes coming in. How are, how are the players kind of picking that up? Yeah, well, I think when you have a lot of new guys like East does, I mean, on the offensive line, they have a bunch of new players. Uh, like I said, running back, a new, a new guy, and quarterback. So I think the, it's not going to be that much of a change as if, you know, there was a team that had, you know, 10 returning starters. Um, but I think, uh, you know, just with Reeve, I think they trust really whatever, whatever you know, schemes he puts in the – into the team, and I think they really trust him, and you know, kind of lean on lean on his knowledge. 
Yeah, well, you mentioned the drone over there at practice, and if Coach Boyce listens to the show, he's probably going to be pounding the table to get one of those over at Victoria West. Speaking of West, I was there for day one of practice Monday morning. Um, this is a school that does not have a quarterback battle. Camden Repper is back, uh, is back under center, and the number one thing that stuck out to me day one was how comfortable Repper and Montgomery and Kamari Montgomery, their senior running back, looked. It was I know a year ago they were two guys who were you know Montgomery had been a varsity he, he had been a letterman before, but he was not the starting running back. Repper was still learning kind of the nuances of being QB one on a varsity team. They're so comfortable out there. They're setting the standard. They're setting the example for, you know, kind of the rest of their teammates at Victoria West. They have um, – it's a young group of wide receivers. It's a, outside of Repper and Montgomery, very young at the skill positions. So they're – I mean, as much as any of the coaches, they're out there coaching up all the skill position guys on what to do. It takes a little bit off of Boyce's shoulders. It, he admits it makes his job a little easier when he has guys that can go out and do that. But the number one thing that stood out to me was the comfortability of Victoria West backfield. And I can only imagine what it was a year ago when Boyce and the coaching staff was trying to coach those guys up and get them ready for day one. The one thing that uh, both Kamari Montgomery and Courtney Boyce kind of ended with was we can't wait to get the pads on, which they're actually lining up and getting the pads on right now as we're recording this podcast. So going to head out there and excited to see, you know, kind of what that looks like is. Wes is excited about the look of their defensive line and how good they looked in spring camp. They're hoping to transition that into the fall. Uh, Mike, you were over at Hallettsville this week. Talk about first-year coach Levi Montgomery. Talk about what you saw at Hallettsville. Well, uh, first of all, uh, you know, Levi is uh, from Hallettsville, so he knows the culture kind of over there, and he spent a year uh, at Quero under uh, Coach Fikach. Uh But when he came in – he decided, hey, uh, things aren't are pretty, you know, they're pretty successful. So I don't want to make a lot of changes. He kept the offense and defensive coordinators, and uh, he pretty much allowed them to run the offense, run the defense. The thing that he's brought is uh, kind of an energy level that I saw out there, uh, where um, practice is very high tempo. And uh, he really uh, stresses that. He wants them to be going. Um, I think, um, you know, they have, as uh, you know, anyone that watched track and field knows, uh, they have a lot of speed. And uh, they're going to try and take advantage of that. They also have Jory and Wilson back under center. He got hurt in the first game of last season against Shiner, didn't play the rest of the season. And that, that really hurt them because – it caused them to move people around, not only losing a talented player like that, but you also got to move people. But um, he said there could be as many as six players going both ways, which for 3A is about normal, I would guess. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, that if, uh, if they can stay healthy, they have a really good chance. Of course, uh, there's, there's no two ways around it. Their district is brutal. I mean, they have Hitchcock, they have Columbus, they have Yoakum. So, I mean, and, and it's like he said, uh, last year Houtsville uh, lost to Yoakum in its last district game and it wound up as the fourth seed and as a result had to play Franklin in the first round, <laughs> the eventual state champion. So you definitely do not want to get the fourth seed, probably not the third seed because Lorraine is in that district. 
And then you also have Cameron Yo. So it doesn't, I mean, you're going to face a tough opponent. But the higher seed you are, the better off you are. The, uh, you mentioned Jorian Wilson's injury last season. So a lot of people did not get to watch Jorian Wilson play last year. He is about 6'2", 6'3", and he is a grown man. He's 16 years old, but he is a grown man, probably about 220, 230 pounds, and an athlete. We saw him play baseball this spring, and, you know, if he made, if he got the barrel on the ball, the ball was shooting off the bat. So it, I think there's an excitement in Hallettsville with just, hey, with – they didn't get to play with him last year. Now he's back in there, and that you know that completely changes the dynamic for this team. Yeah, it was funny. I when I talked to him, uh, I asked him, "Okay, so is baseball still your favorite sport?" And he kind of, you know, he kind of paused and hemmed and hawed and said, "Well, I haven't decided." So I mean, uh, you know, that shows me that at least he's enjoying playing football. Mm. And I mean, obviously, at his size, he he definitely would have a future. Whether it's a quarterback, I don't know. But uh, of course, as you mentioned, he's an outstanding outfielder, and he can hit the ball. So I mean, either way, he wants to go. I think he's got a good chance to do something in the future. Yeah, he's. I mean, he, he's a heck of an athlete out there in Hallettsville, and I know that. You know, after not playing with him all last season, I can only imagine he was such a big part of their plan going into the year, having to kind of reshuffle everything after just week one. Is you know that really had to hit the team in the gut. I know they're excited to get out there against Shiner in week one. Uh, as we wrap up football, Jeremiah. Mike touched on Yoakum a second ago. You were out at Yoakum this morning. Coach Bo Robinson, they got an Army commit at quarterback. Talk about what you saw over in Yoakum. Yeah, well, obviously the kind of the standout thing from from Yoakum is their Army co- uh, commit, Zachary Taylor. Uh, this is a guy who last season he was at Del Rio as their quarterback, uh, which is a 6A school, and uh, he threw for over 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns, and he rushed for another 500 yards and five touchdowns. So, uh, you know, with Taylor, I think you're getting a guy who can – you know, be that dual threat quarterback for Yoakum, who, you know, last season uh, their quarterback was, uh, I believe, Ty Gordon. Um, and, uh, you know, they they went four and seven. They made the playoffs, uh, but they lost in the first round to Cameron Yo. So I think when you get uh, a guy like Taylor, um, I think, you know, with Yoakum, you've got to be excited for what he can do. Uh, like, like Gabe said, being an Army recruit. So there's getting, they're getting a guy who's already proven himself, uh, you know, at the quarterback position. So I think. Uh, you know, Coach Robinson and the Bulldogs are excited for what he's going to bring to that team. How's Taylor acclimating to having, you know, having a new, you know, transferring to a new school, new offense, new all of it? How's he acclimating? Yeah, well, I, I was talking to his dad, who was actually he's uh, actually the quarterbacks coach there at Yoakum, um, and he was telling me how you know all his life they've been moving around to different schools. I think he said he he's been around eight or nine schools, uh, you know, in his lifetime just because of his dad as a quarterback coach, and he you know wants to move to these different. Uh, districts and diff- different teams so I think uh I think the move is not really gonna affect Taylor um and yeah I think uh you know with the skill set that he has it shouldn't affect him that much on the football field yeah and they they do have quite a number of skill players uh, I know Keon Williams is back and I, I don't know did you get a chance to look at Xavier Barnett out there he, he's a big guy uh Bo Bo Robinson told me he said he might be one of the uh he has the potential. He's very young. I believe he's a sophomore. He has the potential to be one of the best players he's ever coached. And, and Bo has coached some really good players. So uh, I know Yoakum is looking to turn things around. Now, that being said, you know, they have a brutal non-district schedule. I mean, they play Cameron Yo, 
They play quail, of course. Um, they play a lot. They play Calhoun. So, I mean, they're, they'll be uh, – and then, of course, you go in the district and you get Columbus and Hitchcock. So uh, it's going to be a challenge, but uh, uh, Yoakum has a lot of potential. Yeah, well, that'll do it for our uh, fo- for our football camp whip around in the first segment. We're gonna hear this message from White Trash Services, and Jeremiah and I have been out in a volleyball court this week. We'll talk about what we've seen. Stay tuned. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services. What is it, and, and, and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. And we are back with episode 48 of The Grid. And like we opened the show, summer vacation's over for us because we have actual games to talk about. Volleyball games, that is. Volleyball teams are in action. Goliath, Victoria West, Victoria East, Yoakum, all and basically everybody in the area all getting in action this week. Uh, we'll start out uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, Goliad, Victoria West, Edna, Industrial all got together for a scrimmage as their last little bit of, you know, fine-tuning before they play their first game. Um... And Victoria West, whenever whenever you have a new coach and a young team, you're always wondering, okay, how's the transition going to be? What's you know what's going to happen? Is you know are the girls going to pick up on it? Is you know what's it going to look like? And I thought Victoria West coming out for you know first live action together, I thought they played well. It's hard to you know once they get into playing more five A opponents and playing in their district and playing you know like I said playing 5A opponents you'll see more you'll know more of what they are but the offense looked crisp the girls looked together the chemistry looked good it did not look like there were you know seven eight nine new players on the team it looked like a team that had been together for a while so that that's something that and Garrett Gomez had talked about he thought his team showed a lot of unity early on they looked like a team that had played together for a while and that showed that showed on the court in their first action and then Goliad on the other hand they have you know they're replacing, they're replacing Abby Yonta in the middle. They're replacing some girls in the back row. They have Kyla Hill back. It's a lot of young team, but the, the word they kept using, or they kept saying these are a bunch of coaches' kids. They're all really smart. There's not a lot of, you know, not a lot's lost on them. They know what they have to do. And even Goliad, you saw them start a little slow when they were young, but when they played Victoria West and Goliad and Victoria West were the two best teams at that scrimmage, you saw Goliad kind of grow into the match and start going at Victoria West a little bit themselves. You saw they have a great history over there, over 100 consecutive district wins, and you saw a team that looked Looks like they're ready to play. 
Um, Tuesday night, they played against Schulenberg. They played against a team from Austin. They split that, beat Schulenberg in five sets, lost to their opponent from Austin. But they're a team that looks like, once again, Goliad Volleyball is a program we're going to be talking about kind of deep into October and November. Uh, Jeremiah, you were at Victoria East first volleyball game Tuesday night. What'd you see? Yeah, well, what I saw on Tuesday night was just a really, uh, you know, young, kind of uh, inexperienced team. Uh, obviously, they have a new coach in Shelby Spradley, and a lot of their players are first-year varsity players. So uh, you kind of, you kind of, kind of expected to see a little bit of shakiness at the beginning. Uh, they started off uh, down zero to six, and then uh, they made their way back. But every set, they were just, you know, a few errors here, a few errors there that just kind of cost them the set. So I think, uh, you know, when you have a young team like that with only uh, a handful of seniors, I think that's kind of what you expect, just a team to, to kind of start the season off slow. But I think, you know, they have some talent there, uh, you know, with uh, Madeline Samudio, who's a, a senior, and then a few other returners. So I think they just got to kind of work through those early season struggles, uh, you know, going into district to, to possibly, you know, make a playoff push. I feel like that's normal for a young team where if they make a couple mistakes early, it, it's almost you make a mountain out of a molehill where you get down on yourself and you think, you know, you make more out of it than what it is. And that's, I mean, not just with Victoria East, but any young team, whether it's volleyball, football, basketball, you just kind of see young players start to do that. Yeah, well, I was talking to a, a sophomore setter, Olivia Zaboro, after the game, and she was telling me how she was really nervous because obviously it was her first varsity game. Um <laughs> So I think, yeah, the nerves are there, and it just, like Gabe, you said, it, it just kind of, uh, you know, builds off of that. But they did, you know, end a few sets on, you know, on a positive note. Uh, but I think, yeah, it was just it was just a lot of nerves and just kind of getting through those early season struggles. Well, you mentioned their setter playing her first varsity game. I mean, that for people who aren't that familiar with volleyball, setter is like the quarterback out there. They're making all the decisions. They have to figure out where to go with the attack. So when you're, you know, your first varsity game to kind of get thrown in there as a setter, that, that can be really difficult. Yeah, it, it was a little bit difficult uh, for her, but I think she ended the game leading the team in assists. So uh, she was able to kind of work through that. But, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I think, not what, uh, you know, Coach Spradley wanted to see out of that first game. But, I mean, obviously it's her, her first game as a head coach, so it's kind of kind of what you expected for that. What's coach Pratt, what did Coach Spradley have to say after that? Because that, you know, when you go from being assistant to being the head coach, I hear a lot of coaches say it happened so fast. You don't even remember. What was her kind of just remarks after the game as what she thought happened? Yeah, she well, she obviously said how uh, she thought the team could have played better. Um, but afterwards, she was kind of kept on a positive note how, you know, she knew what they have to, to work on, t- uh, you know, to be better in the future. So I think, you know, when you have that mindset as a coach, uh, you know, it's got to be good for the girls. Yeah, well, while Jeremiah was at Victoria East, I went out to Yoakum yesterday for a Shiner Yoakum Gonzalez volleyball. And Yoakum, you know, I was impressed from day one of practice to the first game. Only, you know, only eight days between the two. I thought Yoakum got a lot better just in that eight-day span. You saw the team come together quite a bit. They have the two experienced outside hitters, Jayana Phillips and Destiny Rios, who are going to be, you know, like Coach Kayla Natho said yesterday, they're going to get the majority of the swings. They're going to be the ones attacking the ball most of the time. But I thought if any, if someone really stood out, if they're and they're needing, you know, they lost their middle. They lost Macy Williams, a middle blocker, last season. They need some hitters to step up. 
Addison Pekar yesterday, she came in, and she she's not normally a middle blocker. Coach Nathan said she's still kind of learning the ins and outs of the position. But she came in yesterday, and she was a force in the middle. Every time they went to her, she was just going up, killing the ball. Her attack percentage was really, really good. And she was a force out there. And if that's something that continues to develop for Yoakum, I think that's a team that, you know, once again, they made, they made the regional final last year. If Addison Pekar joins, you know, Jayana Phillips and Destiny Rios as real legitimate threats in the attack, Yoakum's a team we could be talking about for a long, long time as we get deeper into the volleyball season. Played against Shiner yesterday. Shiner's a team, I thought Shiner had quite a bit of talent, but they're working through some things right now. They went through three different setters yesterday, which, like we said, the setter's the quarterback out there, and it's uh, it's 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 probably the most difficult position to play in volleyball. Shiner is figuring out what lineup works best for them. The setter they started with, started with was Riley Vancura, which if you remember that name, she was you know an outstanding softball player for them last year. Uh, but Vancura is one of their best outside hitters, so they experimented with her at setter, but then they went to having her move you know to a more attacking role. So Shiner's experimenting with some things, but a lot of size and I think a good amount of talent. And Shiner is a team you know Coach Natho spoke highly of them and. There's a belief that once they kind of figure out what works best for them, they're going to, um, you know, they like where their season is going. Uh, that wraps up this week's volleyball coverage. We're going to hear a message from Thriving Financial. Then we're going to close out our Victoria Generals coverage, find out how they closed out their season. Stay tuned. Thriving is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. And we are back with episode 48 of The Grid. And I mentioned that the summer is over. And part of that is the Victoria General season is over. They wrapped up this week. Uh, they lost their winner-take-all game three to Seguin, 6-2. to two. Um, Nonetheless, a good season for the Generals, 33-17 and 17 overall in the year. They set you know franchise record for winning percentage. Really one of the best, one of the best seasons in the history of the organization. Um, Jeremiah, you and I covered the generals quite a bit this season. I wanted to ask you, was there one or two guys just from, you know, from this year? We, you know, the generals go through so many players. I think it was 56 was the final number that Oros told me. Um, was there one or two guys that really stood out to you as the generals went on this, you know, really, you know, this really great summer run? Yeah, well, one of the guys uh, who I didn't get a chance to to watch a lot uh, was Braylon Owens, but he was voted the TCO pitcher of the year. Uh, uh, recently and uh Owens he, he was a sophomore he uh he appeared in seven games uh he, he had 46 strikeouts he allowed six earned runs on 21 hits 10 walks um and he was 5-0 and in the season so that was a guy who uh obviously you know was one of the standout players for the generals this season um and then another one uh it was Easton Dow who uh, I did a story on early in the season who he's from Aransas Pass he played in the uh, Victoria East and West district when he was in high school and I believe he was an all-state uh, baseball player. So uh, he, he had a successful year for the Generals, and he was, uh, I believe, on the TCO, um, uh, all-TCL team uh, uh, released recently. So, um, you know, both both of those guys were kind of uh, guys, I think, uh, you know, helped the Generals have this, you know, historic season that they had this season. 
Yeah, it's uh, along with Easton Dowell. One of the guys that stood out to me is, you know, Dowell was a guy who played every day. Kind of the only other guy who really fit that mold as a position player was a Drake Kerr. And Kerr was a guy who came in, and he was only supposed to be, you know, a two-week guy, maybe a half-a-season guy. And he came in, and he stayed the whole way, and he played – I think he played all but two or three games this season. And, I, you know, and Oros had, Coach Oros had mentioned this when I talked to him, that Kerr was – you know, he was the energy of the team. He was the heartbeat. He was going around. You talk about guys who were bought in and what they want to do. I, I think Kerr really embodied that for the Generals. And he, you know, he was named like their player of the year this year. And he's, you know, he's someone who I think was so valuable. He was really good on the field, but I think he was so valuable in the clubhouse, in the locker room, and just as a teammate to that group as well. Um, and then the other guy, if you look at the pitching staff, uh, KT Gerald, who was their closer, you talk about a side armor who can touch 90 miles an hour and has a, le- has a legitimate slider. And he became someone who was a real problem for the, for the real problem for opponents um and he was a I mean Oro said it best he embodies what a back end reliever really is so now he's going back to Kansas Wesleyan who's NAIA school but I know Gerald's he really enjoyed this year going up against division one competition showing he can strike those guys out and compete with them had an ERA below two and a half so he's someone that really stood out to me is every team when you put a team together like this you want to start filling roles you want you know who our starters going to be who's the everyday players who's going to be our middle reliever who's going to be our closer and Gerald's came in and really you know took over that closing role and he was so valuable to the team as the season went on also he played at Luna Community College in Las Vegas New Mexico so him and I have some mutual friends so that's always great um well yeah that'll wrap it up for episode 48 of the grid oh we're so excited oh Mike the great Mike Foreman's got a few words next week we'll have some updates from some uh football scrimmages yeah we're going uh, out tomorrow yeah so it's coming fast and uh you know I, I know everyone's getting excited and uh I thought uh, these uh, a lot of these athletes and coaches and trainers have done a really good job of uh, persevering through this heat. It's brutal, and uh, I have to give a shout out to all these people. Yeah, it's uh, it's no secret that it is really hot outside. Shout out to all the teams who have shade next to their <laughs> practice field for us reporters to stand in because. Gosh, you know, those poor guys out there covering the football teams. What are they to do? <laughs> um, but, yeah, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's episode of The Grid. Like Mike said, we will have football scrimmages. We'll be out all over the place this next week. Volleyball continues. Fall sports are getting underway. We could not be more excited. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week.